Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Quietest Moments podcast. I am your host, Sherry Homiyun Myers, and this is really a podcast centered on inner peace and self discovery. So, you are going to really be hearing all about all the deeper and darker things that have gone on in people's lives that have led them to become the incredible human beings that they are today. The truth is, though, the journey has not always been easy. So, you're going to be hearing about the hardest things that people have gone through in their entire lives. And these are people that have accomplished incredible things. So if you subscribe to this podcast, you are hearing all the insights that you aren't going to get anywhere else. And I invite you to take this ride with me as we explore the quietest moments. It's my first episode and you know I'm coming at you hot with one of those stories that's like, what? When you learn about the background of Eric Allen, Eric is my very first guest and this man was just so incredible to get to know. I mean, his story, he grew up in a broken home and you're going to learn all about that upbringing, that difficult struggle of growing up in an environment like that and what it led him to do. He was in jail by 18. He was battling addictions and bankruptcy by the age of 21. And when you look at him now, he's got two beautiful children, a beautiful wife of over 15 years. He runs two incredible podcasts, one being The Bearded Biz Show, which is so amazing. It brings together entrepreneurs and people that are changing the world. And then the other one, Top Rated MMA, is the number one MMA podcast in the world. So this is a man that is not only inspiring, but he's doing inspiring things. So I invite you to meet Eric Allen. Okay, Eric, I'm so excited to be here with you today. Welcome. Thank you so much. It's uh, truly an honor to be on this show. I really appreciate you taking the time. Of course. So Eric, let's dive right into it. If you can to start, tell us a little bit about your journey to where you are today. Yeah, you know, I grew up in Eastern Washington. I grew up in a house that I thought was a typical household. You know, I played Little League. We went to Sunday church and or Sunday school. And uh, my parents, they got divorced when I was 11 years old. I didn't really know why. Turns out my dad was an alcoholic. He was always very quiet. I never saw him get angry a lot or, you know, I never saw him abuse my mom or anything like that. Unfortunately, my mom got together with a boyfriend pretty quickly afterwards that was also an alcoholic, but he was extremely abusive. So my mom was pregnant. Uh, with my little brother, who's 13 years younger than me, and got to, well, not got to, but I had to witness my mom get beat up quite a bit by her boyfriend, uh, you know, hit with cordless phones as a kid. I mean, all the time. It was just crazy. And my mom never pressed charges, which just always blew my mind. And when I was 12 years old, I think it was my eighth grade year, my mom and her boyfriend decided to move myself, my little brother, and my sister to Stevensville, Montana. And they rented this little house on five acres, and it was a three-bedroom house. So it had a bedroom for her and him, a bedroom for my little brother, and a bedroom for my sister. And so they said, Eric, you get half of the garage. We're going to put a plastic tarp on one side with a fireplace, and that's your bedroom. And so during the winters of Montana, I would stoke that fire, try to stay as warm as I could. And I'd sleep under like 10 layers of blankets to try to stay warm. And it was just the crazy life that I lived. And they came home one night arguing. I was brushing my teeth. It was about midnight. And nothing really out of the norm. They always did that. But something in my heart was like, 
God, you know, it was like, dude, you got to look around, you got to turn around. And so the way that it was set up was, if I came out of the bathroom and turned to the right, I'd hit that dining room, to the kitchen, to the pantry room, and then to the garage door that would lead to my room. And as I looked around the corner, my mom's boyfriend was on top of her, literally just punching one after the boom, boom. And I had to think, how do I get this guy off her? And so the first thing that came to my mind was uh, get a frying pan. And so I had snuck up behind him and I grabbed one of those cast iron skillets, those really heavy duty ones. Playing Little League, I got a pretty good swing. And so I walked up and swung as hard as I could and hit him in the back of the head. And I split his head open. And it didn't knock him out. He actually turned around and about mid-sentence of him saying, what the I hit him again right in the forehead and split his face open. And still, even then, he wasn't knocked out, which really surprised me. And he stood up over me and he started to yell. And as he did that, I remember my mom coming out of nowhere and she lands like six punches in a row to his face and blood is splatting on the wall. And the cops finally showed up and he was arrested, put in jail for the night. But again, no charges were pressed. He was released the next morning. It was at that point where I really needed to get out of that situation. It was really, really bad. And so I had uh, finished my ninth grade year of school in Stevensville and then moved back to live with my dad in Washington State for my sophomore through senior year. Well, what he did was he rented this house for us to stay in, me and him, and he would put 20 bucks in a cup. That was my lunch money for the week. He'd put Hunger Man meals in the freezer and put some cereal and milk in the, the house, and then he'd go stay with his girlfriend. So there was like, sometimes I wouldn't see my dad for like three months at a time. Uh, he would just come by the house when I was at school and drop in money in the cup to give me the lunch money for the rest of the week. Well, I took advantage of that situation and became the party house. You know, I, I became addicted to drugs and drinking and anything that I could get my hands on from pot to LSD to um, opium to hash, whatever I could get my hands on and just became this addict. At 18 years old, I got arrested for having a bong, which is funny now that it's legal, but at the time it wasn't. And so I had to go put on a black and white chain gang outfit and go to jail for a night. And I was still a senior in high school. And then I decided to move to Seattle. I always wanted to get the music business and it you know, had this opportunity to move to Seattle. I had hundred dollars in my pocket. And between the ages of 18 and 21, I had moved 21 times, living on different couches of living with people I didn't even know. It was like a cousin of a cousin, you know, just crazy things. And it took me about a year, but I finally got a job with Universal Records. And it was everything I ever wanted it to be. It was free concerts, it was free booze, and I was living this rock star lifestyle, you know, backstage all the time. And it was lasted about a year, but it was definitely not healthy. I remember there was a moment where I was sitting there at a concert and I saw somebody that was in their early 30s and I was in my early 20s and I thought, I don't wanna be that person in my early 30s that's still going to all these concerts. Not that it's bad to go to concerts, but I wanted to spend more time with my family is what I envisioned, right? And so um, it was at that moment that I realized, man, I don't know if this is the direction that I wanna go with my life. And I think God works in mysterious ways. I got laid off after my one year marker at being at Universal. Actually half the office got laid off. This was during Napster. Uh, so which really killed the music industry. And I was working at Starbucks at night. This girl had come in and invited me to go to this church college event. And I was this depressed guy who would go back to his apartment and drink beer till I passed out and didn't have any friends. And so I said, yeah, sure, I'll go. And so I went and there was actually a lot of connections of my, where I grew up in Eastern Washington at this event. And so it was kind of a cool, we kind of kept in contact. A couple months later, it was Easter. And I went out partying the night before Easter. And I woke up on Easter morning surrounded by like 10 or 15 guys that had been out partying with me. 
And I woke up and I really felt in that moment, God said, you're done. And I quit cold turkey, drinking cigarettes, doing drugs, um, drinking, doing everything that I could right there. And I gave my life to Christ in that basement by myself. And I called that girl up and I said, hey, I just want to say happy Easter. I got her voicemail. Hopefully I'll see you at the store. Well, a couple months later, we're dating. A year later, we're married. And now here, 2020, we've been married for 15 years. We have two amazing kids. And we're building this legacy of non-addiction, non-divorce, and really just trying to build a better lifestyle for our kids than we've both had. Wow. Your journey, Eric, is is so transformative. I feel like just, you know, where you were to where you are today, what changed? Was it beliefs? Was it beliefs in yourself? You know, what changed for you? Yeah, I think it was a, a multiple of, th of things. I think when my now wife had asked me if I wanted to go to that college event, it was a seed that was planted in my spirit to, to make some serious changes in my life. I really had nothing. I lived in this very, very ghetto apartment, you know, barely able to afford uh, the rent that I was paying is working at Starbucks at 21 years old. I was $28,000 in debt and had to file bankruptcy. I had no idea how to be financially smart or anything. And so I think God just kind of started to plant that seed when she invited me to that event. And then, like I said, it was a couple months later it was Easter. And I, and I felt God just really just call me to his hands. You know, at that point, I, I had a pastor tell me, Every time that we sin, God kind of has us on these pop puppet strings. And when we sin, he cuts the strings and he reties it and pulls us a little bit closer to him. And I feel like my string was finally in his hands after all the craziness that I'd gone through. Yeah, I love that, that even the thought and the visual of the puppet and just getting closer to that presence of unconditional love and, yeah. and knowing what you're truly capable of. When you think about what people struggle with, I mean, you went through so many different things, the drug abuse, the addiction, you know, feeling depressed and just almost feeling lonely and scared. Mm -hmm. What might be some of the advice that you'd offer to folks that that's where they are right now? That's their reality. You know, I, I love to, now I look at it and I wish I would have taken advantage of it at that time, but I think, Finding people that are where you want to be, whether that's financially, spiritually, maybe they've got a, a, a better life that you have right now and you just want to get out of this hole, like friend them and, and be around them as much as you can. The whole like you become the, the person that you hang around the top other five people that you're with, like that's so true. And Ed Milet, I think, says it best when he says, if you're walking around at 80 degrees, hang around guys that are hitting 120 degrees on a daily basis because they're going to lift your temperature up. They're going to lift your spirit up. But if you're hanging around guys who are like in their 50 degrees and they're negative all the time, they're going to make you sit in that depression. They're going to make you sit in that negativity for so long. And so I think my advice would be go find people that are where you want to be and just start hanging on, hanging around them and, and just be friends with them and, and not out of selfishness, but really just to be able to, to pull and sponge off of their positivity. Yeah, when you think about some of those deeper times and darker times that you've gone through, were there any resources that you had? Were you reading books or, or listening to anyone? Was there even any uh, mentors that were part of your journey? <laughs> there wasn't prior to me going to that church event. There really wasn't. I, I had no direction. I, I was going through life in, in this kind of depression state. You know, once I went to that church event, like I said, I connected with all these guys that had ties to the city that I grew up in. And so there was a pastor there that I had actually started connecting with on a weekly basis after I'd gone to that or after I gave my life to Christ. And, and we started meeting up on a weekly basis. And, and he was kind of a mentor to me to help me 
figure out life, figure out what I was doing, how I can stay on the track, not just like go and delve into it and then jump back into what I was before, but really helped me guide me with books and guide me with um, different sermons that he had talked about or he had heard that really kind of helped me stay on that track. Yeah, that's so powerful. And even touching a little bit on how you really broke through an addiction. I know there's so many listeners that are scared. They might be in a place and they feel like they have no control. How for you, it sounded like it was a moment of clarity. And, and mm-hmm. from there you moved forward. Can yeah. you walk us through like, what was that journey like? And, and what did it feel like to really move from a place of, you know, feeling destructive and and being destructive to now being, you know, contributive and and being able to give and, and not necessarily feel like you need to fill a void. Yeah. I ran into that a lot. I mean, I started smoking at a pretty early age, smoking cigarettes. I was, and, and I always tried to quit cigarettes and I would always go back to it. And I I probably smoked for a good 10 years of my life. And, and, um, but uh, that was the hardest thing for me to quit. But once, I mean, like you said, I had this moment of clarity in that basement where I really felt like maybe there was like these little incidents prior to that, that was like saying, you're heading down the wrong path. And I think that was the breaking moment for me, waking up and really looking around and going, oh my gosh, like I'm the only one awake. There's all these people that are passed out around me. I don't want this in my life. I had to make that decision right then and there. And I think for me, I'd never, I'd never had a second thought about going back and drinking or going back and doing drugs from that moment on. But I had a lot of struggles, a lot of times prior to that where I wanted to quit, but I just didn't have the clarity. I didn't have the right person. I, I wasn't, for me personally, I wasn't spiritually where I wanted to be. And I think once I really committed myself to that, that's where I was able to drop everything. Yeah, that's so beautiful. And for you, Eric, when you think of self-care mm-hmm. and how you take care of yourself now versus how you did back then, what's that look like? Yeah, you know, I, I would eat fast food all the time and I was surviving off of Hungry Man meals and Top Ramen, you know, that even in my apartment. And I don't didn't know how to cook and, and still not that good of a cook. I have a, my wife is an amazing cook, so uh, eating a lot healthier now. Um, but I think yeah, just better care. I'm more aware of my body and what I need to do to make sure that I'm healthy and not just eating junk food all the time. Yes, I have a sweet tooth, but I have to restrain myself and go, okay, I hit 40 years old in December of last year. It's time to like start working on the body and really making sure that I'm healthy. And for more than anything, my wife and I have had some serious conversations. Like we both want to be very healthy to see not only our kids grow, but grandkids come you know, future generations, you know, we want to live a long time. And so really just monitoring what we do, exercising, eating healthier, things like that is really top of mind that I I didn't used to do in my early twenties. Yeah. It's so fascinating. When I hear your story, there's this complete 180 of where where you were to where you are today. For folks that are just starting off on their journey, maybe they are not quite at a rock bottom in their life, but they're feeling like they are sinking fast or in a downward spiral. What would be some of the initial steps that you might offer and say like, Hey guys, check this out or or maybe, you know, look into this. I think, and it's tough to go and just meet people that you want to be at, right? Like you can't just instantly go and go hang out with people where you want to be in life. And so I, for me, the best part for me that helped me grow massively was I started listening to podcasts and I started watching YouTube videos and 
Ed Milet has been a crazy good influencer on me. And I've, I've actually had the opportunity to talk with him on my show. And he's an amazing man. And his show, he has just amazing guests that have crazy inspirational stories. So I think as someone who's just getting out or wanting to break free from those addictions, the best thing that you can do is submerge yourself around positive speakers, leadership mentors, things like that. And if you don't know them physically, get to know them online because the internet has allowed such access to amazing people and amazing motivation and, and things that just steps that we can go through. So I would recommend, you know, especially Tony Robbins, Ed Milet, you know, those type of guys go find those motivational videos and listen to those on a daily basis. Yeah, I can agree so much. I think back to some of my times where I experienced depression and I would go to YouTube and I would look for Tony Robbins and I'd be like, just talk to me, Tony. Yes. To me. And I'd allow his words of empowerment and just words of just incredible wisdom to fill me up because I felt so empty. Yeah. And so powerful when you think about that and how that's a resource for people. Brilliant. Now, when you think about some of the skills you've even developed, I mean, the, the emotional maturity that you've developed, that spiritual, um, you know, energetic expression of really, you know, feeding and, and feeling into yourself being beyond just a physical body, mm -hmm. what might or what have been some of those steps that you've taken uh, that have really allowed for you to transform? Like, how did you build such a maturity of that, not just on the spiritual level, but your emotion, you've been through so much. I can imagine there's people that are like, dude, I, I've gone through so much too, but I can't see a better way. Man, you know, for me, I was never a book reader ever. And when I gave my life to Christ, I read about 15 books that first month. I really sunk myself into reading massively amounts of positive books, mindset books, leadership books, spiritual books. I think that books are super powerful and really underutilized for a lot of people nowadays. But for me personally, I would say just go grab a book, go to the library, find a book, you know, that, that you what would help you grow. Tony Robbins has a massive amount of books. There's so many amazing speakers that have awesome books out there that can help you get out of that rut. And I think the more that you do it, the more that you'll start to feel that internally and go, I can do this. I can get through this. I can get over that hump. I can make a change mentally, spiritually, physically, just by even reading that book, you start to make changes in your everyday life through that. Yeah. And even thinking about books and, and what I've learned so much wisdom that we can take from people that have gone before us facing yeah. similar struggles for you, what would you say is lighting you up the most right now? Mm. The, the, what lights me up the most right now is the, the future of my kids and the future with my wife uh, it is such a motivator for me. You know, my wife and I we both came from, from crazy broken homes and, and we know what not to do in our marriage. You know, we know what we don't want our kids to experience. You know, both of our parents have been married, divorced multiple times. You know, my wife and I have now been married more time, more longer than both of our parents were, you know? And so that's a big motivator for us. We want to make sure that our kids never have to experience the things that we do. And that, that legacy that we want to leave with our kids, that's the biggest motivator for me right now is just continue to, to build that legacy and, and give them a life that was not provided to me. Yeah. And when you think about today and what you might go through today, do you ever get overwhelmed or, you know, do you ever have feelings come up that question, that decision you've made to really move forward and to really be in more alignment? 
I never question, you know, the changes. I definitely have regrets. Um, but there is a, a moment, I think, when I made that switch, when I, when I flipped that switch spiritually and gave my life to Christ, I think there was a no turn back, non-negotiable mentality that came into my head that I wasn't going to go back there. And so that's what kind of keeps me motivated. And I think having routines is really, really big. I think for me, I wake up at 4 a.m. six days a week. Uh, I want to get up and I work on my business. I work on my website. I work on my podcast and things like that. But immediately after I get out of the shower and dress, the first thing I do is drop to my knees and pray. Like that's the sets the tone for the whole day for me is when I spend my time in my quiet time uh, with God. And for me, that's what, that's what works is starting my day off fresh and in prayer and really just um, going, going to his feet and just laying it there. Yeah, I'm right there with you. My part of my morning routine is is doing a little meditative type of practice. And in that yeah. meditation, I just surrender. And yeah. I say, you know, God, please lead me just put words in my mouth, use me as a vehicle for love and as an instrument of love for you, and whatever yeah. you need me to do today. So mm -hmm. that's so powerful. And when you think about how you want to be remembered, you know, talk to me about that. Mm. I'd love to be remembered just as a good dad and a good husband. Um, really the material things, the money, the podcast, all of that stuff, none of it matters in the end. What matters is me just being known, hopefully that I was a good dad, that I was able to provide for my family and never stress them out. You know, I've been blessed enough to be able to work enough, you know, work at amazing jobs that have provided my wife to stay home with our kids. And I'm blessed to work from home. So I actually see my kids all the time. I, you know, I get to start work early and, and then be home when they're home. And so it's just a really amazing thing. And so, um, yeah, that's, that's what keeps us going for sure. Amazing. And when you think of some of the best advice you've been given, I mean, it sounds like you've had terrific mentors. Mm -hmm. You've leaned into a lot of the resources that are available online. Has there been any advice that you've been given that has really stuck with you or really helped you? The one quote that Tony Robbins and Ed Milet has said that I have it on the wall here, it, life happens for us, not to us. And so I look at that and I go, man, my past experiences, that, that crap that I went through, it happened to make me stronger. It happened to make me uh, a better person in the long run. And yeah, it sucked going through it, but man, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to here to share that story. And hopefully people that are going through that can take that quote to heart and go, this is happening because something bigger and better is coming. Right. You are equipped for the journey. I think yeah. is what I sense when you, when you say that it's so empowering and to understand that you're never alone on the journey. Right. And I feel like there's a lot of folks who feel very alone and isolated. What, what might you offer to that person who's listening to this and they don't even know about personal development and they don't know God and they don't, they don't really even know what they're good at. You know, what would yeah. you offer to that person? That was me. I mean, uh, when I when I lived in the apartment by this ghetto apartment, uh, you know, to say that it was the the crazy neighborhood complex, it was. I it was literally across the street from Jimi Hendrix's gravestone in Renton, Washington, and so it's one of the craziest areas I think for me. And but I I've been there. I I've been that guy who was depressed. I didn't have friends. And for me, I started to connect with people at work. I worked at Starbucks and Starbucks, I can't complain because I love their coffee, but it also, I made so many cool relationships with customers on a daily basis. And then obviously I met my wife. She doesn't even drink coffee. She came in and, and asked me to that church event, just studying for her school at the time. And so I, you know, Starbucks is great. I think 
if you can manage up enough courage to go out in public, go to a coffee shop, even if you're just sitting there reading a book, people will spark conversations or even yourself, if you can get enough courage to just spark conversation with people, hey, that's a great book or yeah, I like your shirt or whatever. I think connection with people is so important. And if you're just down and you're feeling like, I don't want to do this, muster up that courage and just get out of your, get out of that apartment, get out of that house, whatever the situation is that you're in that's dragging you down, get away from it as much as you can. I know it sucks at first, but it will be way better in the end. Yeah. And going back to something you mentioned a little bit earlier, your perception of not only what has happened to you, but where you are today. What I'm sensing, Eric, is you have this beautiful mindset to see that all the things that have gone on in your life, they have been blessings, right? Yeah. So how, where did you learn forgiveness? Where, where does this, you know, ability to be merciful or this ability to, you know, not live ashamed of what has happened to you? I feel like there's so many folks, myself included, that I, there have been moments in my past where I've just felt completely paralyzed by shame and, you know, felt almost like damaged by the stuff that had happened to me. How did you yeah. overcome that? I think it's still a struggle. You know, I, I think that, uh, um, you know, I'm very transparent where I, I don't know, there's definitely days where I still go through and I go, I'm really ashamed of my past. I wish, you know, I'm embarrassed of my past. But I think for the most part, when I gave my life to Christ, I also needed to learn to forgive myself. And I think that's the hardest thing for a lot of people is forgiving themselves. And I have forgiven myself, but that's still something that comes up sometimes in my mind. And I go, gosh, dang it. Why didn't I do this? Or why didn't I do that? And that's the hardest thing for us humans, I think, to do. I can forgive people that have hurt me and, and people that have been in my life that was destructive in my life. I can forgive them. But man, it's so tough to forgive our own self sometimes. And, and I think for me, when that happens, when I start to feel ashamed and I start to feel embarrassed about that, I just have to pray. You know, I, I just have to, go, God, I know that you've taken that from me. I'm going to put this shame at your feet and, and let it go. And it doesn't happen often, but sometimes I definitely like get that feeling in my head where I'm like, oh man, I screwed up big time. And then God just says, man, no, you didn't. We're here. We're on this journey together, you know? And so I think just giving it to him when you start to feel that. Yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you. I feel like from, for a lot of us, we carry around these, these loads. A lot of it's just us overthinking about the past. And when I think about where God dwells, I think of God dwelling in the present and trying yeah. to help get back to the present so we can feel how we we have not made any mistakes that we are you know still children and we're children of God and we're we're gonna mess up we're gonna fall down but I love where you say you're you're able to be honest with yourself and go to God and and allow prayer and meditation to really help you transform that thought from something that is probably very fearful you know, fear-based thinking to something that isn't in, in totally more enlightened and illuminated, right? Yeah. You know, and for me, I didn't share my story publicly, publicly until October of 2019. And I just turned 40 years old in December. So I held that inside for a long time. Only very few people actually knew my story. And I think I, once I mustered up the courage to release it and put it out there, Oh, so much weight off my shoulders. And it just was such relief to just go, it's out there and people will judge you or they, or they won't, but it doesn't matter to me. You know, I, I'm a big believer in not judging anybody. You know, I think just showing love to anybody and everybody, whatever their views are politically, sexually, whatever, 
it's not my job to judge just to, my job is just to love on people. And so um, when I released that story in October, it was a massive weight off my shoulders. And I would encourage anybody that is kind of holding on to that weight, just to let it go. Yeah. And your story, Eric is so, I mean, it's, it's a beautiful sense of resiliency. This, this very, I feel very empowered when I think about where you've been and, and where you are today and even where you're going with Thank such you. conviction and, and wanting to really be the best person on this earth for your family, for the people around you, you know, before I let you go, I'd love to find out if there's, you know, anything that you can offer, you know, whatever it might be a motivating message for you or something that you feel is close to your heart that you want to be able to give away today. You know, the, the, the message that I just want to convey out to people, I guess, or, or push to people is look, everybody goes through stuff and some of it is harder than others. And some of it's way worse than me. I don't even consider my story to be that bad compared to some of the stories I've heard, but God created us all and, and God has given us strength to get through that. And, God also created us not to be judges. Let's not judge people. There's a lot of people in the Christian community that tend to judge people based off of whatever their political sexual views are. And that's not what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to just love on people. And I would say just drop any of that and, and just love on people where they're at. Meet them where they're at. And they'll come to know God through you at, at some point in their life. But just love people where they're at, I think, is is the message I want to convey. And, and um yeah. And if anybody has questions for me or anything like that, I'm an open book. So they can contact me through my, my pages, my website, whatever. Yeah. And with that, Eric, tell us where can people reach you? Where can they find you? Where can they talk to you? Yeah. So top rated MMA is my, my podcast that I have. Also the bearded biz is my other podcast, but top rated MMA on Facebook, uh, also on Instagram and Twitter and then bearded biz on Facebook and then bearded dot biz is on Instagram. My personal Instagram is just Eric G Allen. It's E R I K uh, G like Glenn and then Allen. And I would love to connect with people. They can also check out topratedmay.com. We're on YouTube. We release shows every Friday and every Saturday. Amazing. Well, thank you so much. It's been such an honor to have you on the quietest moments podcast. Oh my gosh, this, this is awesome. Thank you so much for the opportunity. And I uh, love this show and uh, looking forward to seeing you continue to change lives through your show, really. So Eric Allen, there you go, guys. How fun is it to just learn about somebody's background? I mean, you can, you can really see yourself in other people. I mean, maybe it's not as traumatic as some of the experiences that Eric's gone through, but I know I came out of this episode being like, oh my gosh, like this man is so faith-driven and I love that. And that is contagious, being positive and finding the lesson and just knowing that you can get through anything and that the power of God is within you. Very, very powerful messages here. And guys, you're going to meet so many different people from so many different backgrounds. So go ahead and subscribe to this podcast if you have not already, because I'm going to be bringing you podcast episodes every single week that are going to share stories of people that are on journeys of inner peace and self-discovery, just like you've heard today. So thanks so much, guys, and I'll talk to you again soon.